I am interested in us utilizing the full creative power and healing potential that nature has given us so that we can feel delighted, so that we can feel healthy, so that we can feel sexually turned on, so and so that we can get into coherence with ourselves and each other and solve these very real, very big challenges that we are being faced with as a species. And so when we tap into things like our sexual energy or meditation or plant medicine, we start to remember just how creative we are and just how powerful we are. I find that if you're meditating every day, it allows those deeper healing psychedelic experiences that happen in breathwork. One, you can have a clear intention and two, you can integrate and bring that healing back with you into your life. All right, everyone, I got a special guest for you, and I mean it, because we are going to go into some really, really powerful parts of how we can create so much of the life that we deserve. And, and, I, and I mean that. A lot of us believe that we don't deserve the life that we have. So I have a very special guest from New York over here, right here in L.A., Emily Fletcher. She's the founder of Ziva Meditation. Stress Less, Accomplish More, a best-selling book that you need to get your hands on right now, actually. Sacred Secret, an embodied manifestation tool. And we're going to go into all the topics from emotion, somatic, the science of meditation. We're going to go into sacred sexuality, how to use your sexual energy to actually manifest. I bet you haven't even heard about this. This is going to be some amazing, amazing stuff. Welcome to the show, Emily. I'm so excited to yeah. go into this. I can feel it's going to be juicy. You feel it mm -hmm. intuitively. Oh, yeah. And you are intuitive. I am. And I feel it's going to be juicy, too. We had some good off-air off conversations, so we're really going to get into it. Can sexual energy change your life when you're tapping into it? I don't see how it doesn't. I mean, have you, have you ever been turned on, like fully turned on, safe, open, and your life didn't get better. You didn't feel healthier. You didn't have something either magical happen or something that felt magical happen. I mean, sexual energy is the most creative force on the planet. It, it allows us to do the most divine thing that we are capable of doing as humans, which is to create another human. Mm -hmm. And yet every time we tap into that sexual energy, we don't birth a baby. You know, thank goodness it would be very crowded on planet Earth. And yet we still have that level of creativity, that level of power available to us from this powerful endogenous pharmacology, like this internal pharmacy that nature has given us is available to us at any time. Mm -hmm. And what I love helping people to discover is that they can use it to create whatever they want. Yes, maybe a baby. Yes, maybe a book. Yes, maybe a company, maybe a healing, but it's, it's ours and it's, it's, it has infinite creative potential inside of it. Mm -hmm. And we just overlook it and use it for, you know, sex, which we call sex and just, or masturbation and just getting it out, right? Yeah. Like yeah. What, we're, what we're taught in society is that we're, in, we're not empowered with that sexual energy and yeah. that there's so much potential for power, but we don't even know. Why is there such a disconnect between what we know about sexual energy and what you're saying? Well, you said we overlook it. And I would say it's even much deeper than that. More than overlooking it, we repress it. We shame it. We compartmentalize it because we've been trained very purposefully and for tens of thousands of years to think that that is bad. It is wrong. It is something, it is dirty. It is something to be ashamed of. It is something we should hide. We shouldn't touch ourselves. Pleasure is a, a, a sin. We, these, these conditionings are deep and they're very purposeful and they are divorcing us from our own divinity. And when I say divinity, I mean the creative 
power inside of all of us. Mm -hmm. Just when we think of God, the creator, it's like, what does that mean? It means power to create. And we have that inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when we tap into things like our sexual energy or meditation or plant medicine, we start to remember just how creative we are and just how powerful we are. But the thing is that people who know how powerful they are, are very hard to control. And so there's been a very active campaign for tens of thousands of years to separate people from plant medicine, to separate people from things like meditation and to separate us from that sexual energy and power. So it's not an accident that we think that, oh, if I masturbate, I'm going to go to hell, which by the way, masturbation is a religious term and it means to defile. That's why you hear people in the tantra community saying self-pleasuring, because it can be one of the most sacred things that you can do. I mean, you can take yourself to God with a pleasure practice, absolutely. And yet we call it masturbate, which is a term that means defile. to defile. Oof. And, and the words have energy. We yes. know that. Yes, you can feel it to masturbate. It's like, oh, oh. This, this is actually the first time I'm hearing that connotation, like the association. That's what it means. Yeah. That's incredible because, you know, just the energy behind what you're doing when you're calling it masturbation. Yeah, versus like a self-pleasure practice. Right. I am going to bring pleasure to myself. And what I'm teaching is even te helping people to use their pleasure to pray, hmm. which we can talk about in a minute. That might be a little, might be a little too but, juicy to but, start. But, I, yeah, we, we'll, 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 we'll just do the, the little bit of uh, foreplay before, right? Yes. We, can, we can't get Thank in it yet. We ain't ready you. yet. We ain't ready Thank yet. you. But, but I'm still so fascinated um, by this disconnect. So I grew up religious and um, I, I got communion and confirmation and uh, masturbation for, for, as it was called, they were shameful, mm -hmm. right? It, mm -hmm. was, it was a sin. Yeah. Um, even premarital sex was a sin. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, what I found in myself, and, and you know that I do this whole emotional process, I had many layers the deepest layer was actually shame around sexuality. Mm -hmm. Do you know it took like two years of just peeling back layers to get to that layer and be like, oh my God. Before you even discovered that it was there? Before I even discovered it was there. Whoa. And then through this work, working with a lot of women especially, I find that the shame around sexuality, the owning of their own feminine power and expression, mm -hmm. that power within them, is is a big thing too. Yeah. So you you really believe that it's 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 because of disconnecting us from our power. I do. I think it's been a control tactic. Mm. And if you look at even, even the Bible, which is a beautiful, amazing text filled with so many truths and so much healing capacity inside of it. And yet I would argue that it is at best a half truth. There are the Gnostic Gospels, which are the books that were removed from the Bible. There are the Magdalene, Mary Magdalene's Gospels have been removed from the Bible, even etched off of the tablets. So the sacred feminine has been very purposefully and sometimes violently removed from our history. And we cannot be something if we cannot see something. And so Mary Magdalene, who was an ascended master, she was a priestess of, of the tantric arts and a, and a disciple of Isis, the Egyptian goddess of fertility and, and magic and motherhood. She, was, she and Yeshua, or Jesus, were were partners. They were teaching each other. She was initiating him into these practices. There's actually many years that no one can account for in the Bible where they were in India studying these, these practices. 
And so these, and these practices, what does that mean? It means using your life force, like channeling your life force to heal, channeling your life force to bring yourself back to life. Like there are people in India, you know, like monks who would, can drop their metabolic rates down into almost nothing. They're almost dead for weeks at a time, right? So we can do these seemingly superhuman feats when you start to master the life force energy inside of us. And so the fact that Mary Magdalene, this ascended priestess and master, arguably the feminine version of Christ. We have Christ consciousness and there's Magdalene consciousness has been not only removed, but she has been portrayed exclusively as a whore. Yeah. This is a tragedy because our myths matter. And so if there is no feminine version of an ascended master, and if someone who does have that power is seen as, as less than or or um, a whore, it's just such a minimizing of the story, which I would actually argue is necessary to evolve the species into our next iteration, that we need to have people in full Christ consciousness and Magdalene consciousness, meaning that they have cultivated the divine masculine and feminine inside of themselves, mm -hmm. that they have that balance inside of ourselves, which is represented everywhere in nature, far beyond gender, but that that will be the thing that allows us to evolve into the most amazing version of us. Oh man, I, I just blacked out when you said that because, <laughs> because there, so there's texts that have been removed. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know the, the, the importance of Mary Magdalene, mm -hmm. but when you, I didn't know that they were in India. Yeah, there's a few years that they can't account for where well, Jesus and Mary Magdalene, like there's no, no one knows where they were and they were in India studying these, these practices. I mean, there are theories they, and the same, like the, so the Magdalene manuscripts is a channeled text by Tom Kenyon, but there is also Mary Magdalene, like just like the Gnostic gospels were, you know, books like mm -hmm, John, yeah. like Luke, Mark, yeah. there were books that were removed. Mary Magdalene, what, her book was removed. It, it, so now we are repressing the feminine power within all of us. Yeah. Not just women. In not all just of women and all of us. What is the byproduct of that part of us that is repressed? Take a look around. <laughs> Patriarchy, extracting resources from the planet, imbalance, greed, war, um, imbalance of power, misallocation of resources. I mean, right now, what Lynn Twist would say is that society is like a bird with one wing, that our masculine energy has been so celebrated, so heralded, that this idea of achievement and structure and ascension and logic and intellect have been worshipped. And yet the feminine aspects of reciprocity, receptivity, intuition, flow have been not only ignored, but shamed. And so we're like a bird with one wing and all it can do is fly in a circle. Yeah. And we've been flying in this circle, repeating patterns, repeating traumas, inheriting trauma from our parents and then playing it out again. And until we start to develop this other wing of humanity inside of ourselves, until we start to have this masculine and feminine balance, then society will be able to fly straight. Then we will be able to evolve and ascend. Mm. And I think it is happening. You know, people say the divine feminine is rising. I'm like, no, the divine feminine is here. Now, you know I'm a huge proponent of being proactive when it comes to prepping for travel days. And if you find yourself getting sick when you're flying, there's a reason for that. You see, the atmosphere in planes is kept at 10 to 20% humidity. So dry air starts to dehydrate us more and more quickly, pulling the moisture from our skin and our breath. And this means frequent flyers, like myself, need to hydrate and make sure that electrolyte intake is sufficient on these travel days. My favorite way, across the board, to get my electrolytes is from Element. The team Element uses a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. 
But just as important as that is what they left out. All those dodgy ingredients, public health, number one enemy across the board, sugar. I say that because a lot of these electrolyte companies, these packets, they have electrolytes in there and then they have a ton of sugar. And the thing that is gonna be dehydrating us without adding in that proper hydration. We wanna make sure we're getting quality hydration for ourselves. Using a supplement like Element to get those much needed electrolytes on travel days can help prevent dehydration headaches, support energy to minimize the effects of jet lag that I know a lot of you get. Hydration across the board is a fundamental pillar to health. If you're drinking water without infusing it with quality electrolytes, you may not be as hydrated as your body wants you to be. So Element is offering Heal Thyself listeners, you, a free Element sample pack. When you go and purchase with the link, drinkelement.com slash DRG. The Element Sample Pack will include one packet of every flavor, perfect for any of you who's interested in Element's flavors. To try Element, go to drinkelement.com slash DRG and enjoy. It is here. It is here. It is happening now. I, I love I love that visual. Because mm -hmm. this is how I actually understand things clearly, is mm -hmm. that bird, I'll never forget that bird analogy yeah. yep. till the day I die. Yeah, and, and just to really take this outside of gender, because I know it's hard for us to dissociate masculine and feminine from male and female, you can look at a cell, right? The, the cell, if there's a cell membrane, right? And that's the masculine structure. And then all of the goo inside, like that's the feminine, it's fluid, it's undulating, uh. it's creating life. But without the masculine container, the insides just dissipate. And without the feminine energy inside, then the cell dies. So we, we must, and even inside of an atom, we have the cubes. There's a, like the atom has this cube-like structure, cubes on cubes on cubes, and it is the light and the energy, which is the feminine that animates it. Mm -hmm. So in every single part of nature, we have the masculine and the feminine. This is what creates life. And even many of the creation myths, like Shiva and Shakti, when you look into the Vedas, which is the, the knowledge that I've been studying for 16 years, Shiva would be representative of the masculine and Shakti, the feminine. And in this myth, Shiva is lying, resting, dormant. And it's not until the Shakti energy comes in that he comes to life. Mm -hmm. So it's just such a different parable than like, oh, there was man. And then we pulled out a part of him to make woman. Right. And so it, again, the myths matter because how we see ourselves matter and our words matter. Because if, if, your, if your genitalia is used as the number one insult in the English language, how is that going to make you feel right. about your own body? Right. Whoa. Okay, you're right. We do use that as the number one insult in the in the English mm -hmm. language. So so when we think about this divine feminine that is here, as you say, mm -hmm. what, there's there's men listening, there's women listening, and they're going, okay, well, how is that supposed to feel? How is that embodied feminine for me supposed to look now in relationships to myself, to other people? Uh, the fellas out there like, oh, no, hold on, divine feminine. I don't know about all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. How is that supposed to look when it's cultivated in a healthy man? Yeah. Well, even the fact that we have to mention that right now men listening might feel uncomfortable right. tuning into their divine feminine, that is in of itself a byproduct of patriarchy, meaning that we have heralded masculinity as to, be, as to be powerful, something to emulate. This is the thing that is good and expected inside of society. And if we were to cultivate things that might make us seem more like a woman, that might be embarrassing or shameful or bought. And that's misogyny, right? And we all have it baked into us. Women too, like we have, just like gay people have homophobia, women have inherent internal misogyny. And so this is not like men versus women. This is healed, healthy humans being 
smart and brave about extracting external conditioning so that we can live the healthiest, happiest mm -hmm. lives available. Mm -hmm. I am just interested in, I am interested in us utilizing the full creative power and healing potential that nature has given us so that we can feel delighted, so that we can feel healthy, so that we can feel sexually turned on, yeah. so and so that we can get into coherence with ourselves and each other and solve these very real, very big challenges that we're being faced with as a species. Mm -hmm. That's what I think will happen when we start to reclaim the divine feminine inside of all genders. Mm. And, and as we do that, the collective starts changing. Yes. And, and what the, the projection of what we see in the world as mm -hmm. a projection of us begins to change. Yeah. Can so we do that fast? I think so. Mm. And I think that we need creation energy or sexual energy in order to speed it up. Now we're getting into it. Yeah, we're gonna get into it. But just to say, like, I wanna say there's been a very few, but there have been matriarchies in human history. My, my best friend Layla and I, whose house we are, she is my best friend Layla, we're in my best friend's house. Like I got initiated into so many practices in this place, which is this place feels like a temple to me. Yeah. So I feel so grateful to be here. Um, but my best friend Layla and I went on a priestess pilgrimage this summer to Greece. We went to Eleusis and Crete and Delphi. And Crete is one of, when it was a Minoan civilization, it was a matriarchy. And it's hard for us to understand even the idea of matriarchy because all we know is patriarchy. So when we think matriarchy, we think reverse patriarchy. We think, oh, only women are in power. Yeah. But that's not what actually matriarchy is. It's an equal representation of power. And so just to like, just like people think, oh, like reparations, or if we start to undo racism, it means that like black people would do to white people what, what we have done to them. Mm. And it's not actually true. It's not what anyone wants. It's not to reverse the abuse. It's not to reverse the trauma. It's that we start to heal the trauma and then step into a more egalitarian, a more mm, balanced society. Yeah. Well, this is what, I mean, something's happening, right? Like, I don't know, for the past 10 years, I felt like there's a boiling point coming and there's, there's shifts that I've been seeing individually in people yeah. and parts of the collective. At the same time, there's been a lot of turmoil. It's been bubbling over too. Yeah. But, but I think it's because there's, there's, like you said, the divine feminine is here. Well, I think that the systems that have been built on unsustainable ideologies are starting to crumble. Yeah. And I think that as those things that we have, for better or worse, even if you ha even if dad is crazy, even if dad's an alcoholic, we'd rather have dad in power than nothing. Like we would rather think that there's some evil empire that's pulling all the strings versus just like human idiocracy. Right. Well, right? Like we do. It's actually easier for us as humans to think that like there's an evil person in charge then like, oh, nobody knows what's going on. Right. It's <laughs> scarier. Yeah, that's scarier. The unknown. Yeah, like it's scarier to be an orphan than it is to have an abusive father. Mm -hmm. And so right now what's happening is that these systems that have been built on unsustainable ideologies are starting to crumble and, and that will be scary. Like I yeah. think we're going into a few years of potential real intensity. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that's why we, I think that's why all the healers are finding each other. I think that's why we're shining each other up. It feels like this mycelial network of light workers is getting stronger yeah. because we are going to need each other going into the intensity that we're about to face as a species. And I don't even judge it as good or bad. It just feels like the necessary destruction that will make way for creation. Yeah. Yeah. And which needs to be right. Yeah. That's, that's the flow. That's yeah. the energy destruction creation. And so our job, yeah. Like according to the Vedas, there's no such thing as good or bad. There's right. just creation, maintenance and destruction. And so our job as healers and anyone listening to this podcast is not to be afraid of what will be destroyed, not to cling on to the past, but rather put our attention on that, which we want to birth. Yeah. And that is where the divine feminine comes into play. Like we, we wake up that societal womb, right? Wh which is the matrix point for everythingness. 
to be born into the 3D. Mm. Nothingness to become somethingness through this sacred womb space. And so we right now have an opportunity as we enter into perhaps a period of destruction to put our attention on the more beautiful earth that our hearts know is possible, mm. to create a revolution that does not require a revolt, to birth a new earth through our pleasure, that we can use our pleasure to pray and that actually the profundity and the speed of the healing with this energy can make things much more elegant. If you're leading an active on-the-go lifestyle like me, you'll want to hear about Newsus Good Green Vitality. The supplement is a powerhouse for those of you, like me, always in motion. Packed with an array of essential nutrients, it's like fuel for your body's engine. So whether you're a fitness enthusiast, a busy professional, or anywhere in between, it's going to provide you with the energy and nutrition needed to keep up with that demanding lifestyle. The beauty of Green Guard Vitality lies in its simplicity. It replaces the slew of individual supplements that we have on our cupboard, all those 20 different types of supplements. It's gonna free up space in your routine in your kitchen with one scoop a day is all it takes. I take it in the morning. So first thing I have in the morning, I fill up my water, hydrate myself, fill up more water, put in a scoop, drink my green drink. I'm infusing myself with vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and green foods for the day. And it's powerful stuff because I notice my energy is better, my focus is better, my sugar cravings are less, because, you know, I have a sweet tooth sometimes, you know. So to check it out, Good Green Vitality, my favorite green powder. It's the best bang for buck green powder out there at a cheaper price than a lot of these popular greens that you're seeing. So go to newsest.com, use the code DRG for 20% off of all products. You just said pleasure to pray now. I did. Okay, let me... 15-year-ago Christian would be like, wait a minute, pleasure to play. That, that play that, those two don't go together. <laughs> but, but, but pleasure and prayer actually do go together. And, and how? What is the power behind the pleasure and prayer? Well, if you look at uh, like a big like revivalist church of almost any denomination, right? People go into these ecstatic yeah. states, speaking in tongues, mm. being hit by the Holy Spirit, I love that. singing in harmony. Like there is an upward spiral of energy that gets created in almost any like let's call I'm going to say I'm going to use the word good church. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a church no, that knows it's what it's doing. The one like, that I would go to. Yeah. Like yeah. I grew up Southern Baptist, right? So I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. I grew up Southern Baptist. So we can talk about that later. But there is an ecstatic force that is created that can connect us to our own divinity. And when we do that in groups, the channel gets bigger. It's like the antenna gets stronger. And so because for so many tens of thousands of years, we've seen our pleasure as bad or wrong, as a sin, that we are inherently bad and sinners, and that we need to be more monk-like, to be more holy, which this even happens in India. Like we'll do like monastic styles of meditation and think that they are like more advanced than householder styles of meditation, which we'd be happy to talk about that too. Mm -hmm. um, but we see it certainly in, in pleasure practices. So the audacity of using your pleasure to pray for someone who has been conditioned to think that their body is somehow less than holy, that their pleasure is somehow a sin, like even the act itself can be a reclamation. And then in that reclamation, so much shame, so much conditioning goes away. And that is like purifying the channel. And then all we're doing, and this, this is the sacred secret formula, by the way. So, so sacred secret at its, at its biggest is a movement to help people turn up the dial on their divinity, to help them remember that we are all God pretending to be human. And we are all the ocean pretending to be the wave, yeah. right? And we know this. Every spiritual text has been saying this since the beginning of time. There's only one thing and we're all it. We just say it in our own ways. We're, looking, we're all looking at a disco ball and seeing different yeah. reflections yeah. of the same thing. Um, so 
sacred secret at its most simple is a formula. And what we do is that we visualize, we alchemize, and then we magnetize. So what I have people do is I have them drop into meditation, drop into deep coherence with themselves and each other. And then I have them listen. Like, hey, nature, how would you love to use me? Hey, what would I love right now? But mostly it's, hey, nature, how would you love to use me? Which is a different form of manifestation, right? Most people are like, let me get the Ferrari and then I'll get the girl. Let me get the million dollars and then I will be happy. And I'm, I'm all for that too. Like, I believe that our desires are divinely inspired. And I think there's an even more powerful prayer available. Hey, nature, how would you love to use me? Hmm. And once we can get clear on that, because that's a, it's a fast track to transcend the ego. It's a fast track to discern the difference between an addictive longing and intuitive desire. So once they're clear on that vision, then we go into alchemize. So we've visualized and now we alchemize. And this is from what I see, at least on social media, very similar to the work that you're doing in the yeah. somatic experiencing. So in al this thing called emotional alchemy, I have people like dance their rage, dance their sorrow, and basically give the parts of them that have been repressed the microphone, not even to talk about the thing, but to, to dance it, to feel it, to sound it. Mm -hmm. And then once that has been expressed, usually it chills out. Like once the rage has been heard, it's like, cool, I'm gonna sit in the back seat now. Once the sorrow has been heard, it's like, thank you, yeah. I'm gonna chill. Yeah. And then what you've done is that you've cleared the channel. And the alchemy piece, by the way, is that we, we start to sprinkle in a little bit of turn on. We start to sprinkle in a little bit of pleasure. And it really does alchemize that very potent, powerful energy of rage and sorrow. But it turns it into what Regina Thomashauer would call like a clean burning energy. Hmm. Right? Because like right. rage and sorrow are powerful. Yeah. We were just talking about how sexy women are when they get into their rage because they start to fill up the space that they inhabit. Mm -hmm. But that is not sustainable. Right? That rage over time is destructive. It will start to create acidity and destruction in the body. But if we can start to transmute it with bliss or transmute it with turn on, it can turn it into clean burning fuel. And just shout out to Regina Thomashauer, my roommate, living legend, author of the book called Pussy, A Reclamation. Um, the emotional alchemy practice is very much inspired by something that she does called swamping, um, which is amazing. That's what I heard of. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, we visualize and then we alchemize. And then once that channel is clear, then we magnetize. So magnetize, what does that mean? It seems starting to turn on your magnet. So you know that like the body has an electromagnetic field. Certainly our thoughts have electromagnetic frequencies to them. The heart is somewhere on the order of 5,000 times more powerful. That electromagnetic field of the heart is like 5,000 times more powerful than the head. So what I do is that I have people get their heads, their hearts, and their hoo-hahs all in coherence with each other. All of those fields amplifying and strengthening each other. And when you have your head, your heart, and your hoo-ha all in coherence and pointed towards your dream, some real magic starts to happen. Uh, I know that's right, man. I'm yeah. hearing that right yeah. now. What a program. Yeah. What a program. I mean, yeah. you've you've tapped it in. Mm. And because because to get into touch with nature and to, to get quiet and listen, hey, you work through me. Yes. Like instead of me just like taking again with that yeah. masculine energy, I want the Ferrari, I want this, I'm gonna, right? Work through me. And having those emotions come up. And, and, and when you said that, I, I thought about this client who was in this deep rage, 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 rage. And then in the snap of a finger, she's like, I'm so angry, but her body's not moving like she's angry. And she's like, I'm so angry, but she's not breathing like she's angry. And she's actually starting to breathe like in a more sensual way. Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, wait, you're, this isn't anger anymore. I was like, could this be something like the sexual energy moving? And she goes, actually, yes. And I was, I was like, whoa. 
And that's exactly that transformation because it's it's the it's the pleasure alchemized, the pleasure sort of clean, clean energy took that anger energy and said, Phew. yes. The woman had an orgasm on the table. Yes. And I was like, yes. I was like, whoa! I was just letting our body unfold, and I was like, you do you do what you're going to supposed to do in your own inherent intelligence? Yeah. And bravo to you for making a safe space for and sure. making a safe container so for that sure. her body felt safe enough to express that, because mm -hmm. oftentimes that is not the case. Yeah. And all, and thank you for bringing that up because that's an important point. And this is a fallacy, and it's a mistake that I made as I was birthing because I spent the last three years just listening and birthing this formula and birthing this program. And I'll say it, it felt like a mistake that I made is that I would use, and I even used it now. I use the terms that we use the pleasure to transmute, or we use the bliss to transmute the rage and the sorrow. And that's not actually accurate. And it speaks to my own humanness and my own codependency and my own um, bypassing. Like, I don't want to spend my time in the rage. I don't want, I don't feel comfortable in the sorrow. And so I try to get to the light yeah. and that's my own human shortcoming. But actually what is happening is that when the, when the rage feels safe enough to be expressed and when it is met and matched, you can find ecstasy in the expression of it. Mm -hmm. When the sorrow feels safe enough to be expressed, there can be ecstasy in the expression of it. And that is the thing that alchemizes. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because there's always been a moment in, in that rage or sadness or even shaking and fear yeah. where, where there was that moment of like, <sighs> yeah. like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Yeah. Oh my God, this is beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, it's, it, you see, it's not as dark as you thought. Yes. Right? And then we realized that it takes so much more energy to hold it in and to push it down than it does to just release it. Of course. It. We're yeah. so scared of the analogy I give is holding a beach ball underwater. We're so scared to see that beach ball fly up. Yeah. But then our arms are just like so much, oh my God, I was holding up so yeah. much. And you could do this forever. Like it was just suck your energy, suck your energy. Now when I discover new traumas, I feel like I'm playing a video game and I'm like, oh good, a new trauma. Right. And I feel like I get to eat the mushroom and it gives, it makes me have like superpowers like exactly. do, 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 exactly. because I'm now have the tools to be able to love it into integration to love it into wholeness and I'm not judging those traumas as bad or judging myself as less than when I discover them you all know I prioritize pure and high quality ingredients I am always researching to make sure I'm reducing my exposure to the contaminants especially in anything that I'm taking daily very important when it comes to omega-3 oils listen to me I cannot be more clear Omega-3 oils are some of the most contaminated products across the board. It's because they can oxidize and become rancid very quickly. On top of that, the sourcing can come from poor quality manufacturers. You're getting poor quality contaminated fish, toxic fish, and they're squeezing out the oils from that and putting it into a capsule. If you're taking fish oil, which a lot of us I do highly recommend because a lot of us are low in omega-3s, most of Americans, then you gotta get a quality one. That's why I take O3, Ultra Pure Fish Oil from Peori. I'm getting a premium, pure, and potent source of omega-3 supporting my heart, my brain, and my eyes. Because with Peori, every batch of every product is clean certified and third-party tested by Clean Label Project against more than 200 contaminants, including heavy metals and pesticides. Every Peori bottle comes with a QR code. This is, this is transparency, right? You know that we only wanna work with transparent companies. Every bottle of Peori comes with a QR code with specific test results. That's super rare. You don't see many companies do that. And again, I'll say it. When I was in practice doing nutrient testing on almost every patient that I had, almost every patient had really low omega-3s, really high omega-6. And it's because a lot of us are not eating enough omega-3 rich foods. 
So fish oils is one of the quickest ways to start replenishing back that balance between omega-3 and omega-6, reducing inflammation in the body and putting your body in a more antioxidant rich, calm state. Now, right now, Pure is offering you, the Heal Less Health listener, 20% off of the O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil and all their great products. You get 20% on top of already discounted subscription price with my code, which totals to almost a third of the price. Get this offer now. Go to Puri.com and use the promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG. Don't miss out. The promo code is DRG at Puri.com slash DRG. You definitely played Mario as a kid, huh? <laughs> I did. That's like the <laughs> one video game I ever played was Super Mario Brothers. I bought myself a Nintendo. It was the first thing I ever bought with my allowance. The best game. <laughs> And the duck hunt. Did you play the duck hunt? Oh, yeah. I'm a Super Mario Brothers duck hunt. Okay, okay. But I feel like I'm way older than you. No, I'm 40, almost 40. I'm 40. I'll be 45 next month. Okay, well, yeah. we were still around okay, the same. Okay. Yeah, I guess, you know but I feel I mean? like five-year video games is like a... Yeah, that's also a whole other thing. Okay, but I'm glad we're but in the duck same duck n- Nintendo with, generation. With that damn dog you know, teasing you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't get laughing at me when I keep missing. Yeah. But I think I'm a very good shot because of duck hunt. Whoa. Okay. All right. All right. So the last part of this sacred practice is is that the like the embodiment connecting to your sexuality the, mm-hmm. the divinity within you yeah and how do how do people feel when they're finally realizing like wow i just moved through this stuff what does that embodiment feel like Whew. well i've actually gotten really <laughs> accustomed to asking large groups of people how they feel after they orgasm i'm like just shout out some words like last time you had an amazing orgasm yeah. how did it feel afterwards and usually i hear connected blissful pure open, holy, calm, divine. I very rarely hear like shameful, dirty, wrong, bad. And and so what we do in the actual pleasure prayer practice is that, you know, once they've held the dream and they've they've gone into a five senses reality of it, then we start to build the pleasure. And you can do this, by the way, in a very PG way. Like if I'm on stage at like a conference of CEOs, I'm not going to have them touching themselves right. yet. Um, maybe one day, right, right. but not yet. Let the consciousness um, shift just a little exactly. bit. Exactly. We're not there. I'm not ready to get burned at the stake just yet. Yeah. <laughs> or ever. Delete, delete, delete. Yeah. Um, so you can modulate this. Like you can use, you can create pleasure through play. You can create pleasure through breath work. Like there's a million different ways to build this creation energy in the body. So um, but what we do it is that we hold that vision and then we start to build that energy through the hoo-ha, right? And just let it like all that safety, all that power, all that creativity, all that pleasure start to build up into the heart, right? And then we let it um, build with love and transmute with love and possibility. And then it comes up into the head and we let it swirl around the brain. And at the moment of peak pleasure, whatever that looks like inside of that practice, we dedicate all of that energy and all of that pleasure to the dream. And then what I have people do is I have them listen. Hey, nature. Again, what would you have me do now? And oftentimes people say that the dream feels so much closer. Oftentimes they say that the dream feels so much more possible. Yeah. Many times the dream gets bigger because they are now looking at the dream from a place of wholeness, from a place of satiation, from a place of I have everything I need versus what most people are doing is manifesting from a place of lack. Yeah. I need this. I need a relationship. I need money. I don't feel safe. I don't. I need to lose weight. I need the house. They're looking for external validation through their manifestations, and then what we end up creating is more lack, more want, more more desire. 
And so what we're doing is that we're instead filling ourselves up from the source of bliss. We are filling ourselves up from the source of pleasure. We are using this sacred internal pharmacy that nature has installed inside of us, creating this feeling of pleasure and connection and, and satiation. And then from there, revisiting the dream. Then they feel powerful. They feel possible. They feel like the dream is actually being magnetized to them because their magnet yeah. is on. Yeah, it, 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 it makes so much more sense because it feels like a felt experience with your manifestation mm -hmm. versus me walking the street being like, I am happy. I am Ferrari car, right? Like yeah. you're saying all these things that have value in your words, yeah. but they don't have the charge. And yeah. it seems to me that this creative energy is the magnetic, electromagnetic charge that is exp expanding your field to bring that closer. Yeah, and it's actually changing your state as you're manifesting. Because if you do the affirmations, like I am right. wealthy, I am happy, I am healthy. But if you don't believe that, then you're creating more of a cognitive, more, more cognitive dissonance, yeah. right? And it's like, you're actually lying to yourself. And I actually did it the other day. I was in the car and my boyfriend was driving and like he did something and like three cars like started honking at him and I felt very unsafe. Like I yeah. felt like I wasn't looking, but I got triggered and I went into fight or flight and I did not feel safe actually. And I started slowing down my breathing, but I started saying like, I am safe, I was, I was, which was true. Like my body was safe in that moment. The cars had gone. I was just sitting in a recliner moving down the highway, yeah. but I didn't feel safe. And I was saying, I am safe, I am safe, I am fine. And, and I was like, this is not it. Because I was lying to myself and my body didn't believe me. And next, the next day I had Dr. Kelly Brogan on the podcast and I talked it through with her. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I like to use my podcast as like personal therapy time uh, okay. sometimes. sometimes. Like, I mean, I'm through. learning a lot of stuff okay, here, so great. I already have some codes and coming into me right now. <laughs> great. But I told her the whole thing. She's like, I give you a D minus. And I was like, why? And she's like, because you weren't safe. You were lying to your body. Instead, you could have let that, the part of you that didn't feel safe to have the microphone. Right. Even though I don't feel safe, my body is okay. Like, yeah. even though I feel scared, I know that I will be okay. So it's like acknowledging what is. So I skipped the alchemy part. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can't skip the steps. You, you've got to be so completely witnessing what's true. Yes. Because you can't tr uh, fake your body out. Yes. Your mind is. will be like, yeah, I'm, I'm safe. I'm good. No, your body's like, hell no, we don't feel safe, man. Yep. And then what happens, so if you believe, so my definition of manifesting, the simplest formula for manifesting would be feel good, place the order. Feel good, place the order, place the order, feel good. Feel good, place the order, place the order, feel good. Feel good, good place the order, place the order, feel good. Yeah, you got it. And that's really simple to say and not so simple to do. Because in order to truly feel good, which does not mean putting a happy face on top of a gaping wound. It doesn't mean putting a smile on top of years of ancestral trauma. It means doing whatever the fuck it takes to actually feel good. Yeah. Facing yeah. that trauma, doing that breath work, cleaning up those lies, doing the therapy, doing the EMDR, like whatever it takes to actually sustainably feel good. And then from there, place the order, which is not easy for a lot of people, especially women, because we have been divorced from our desire. Yeah. So we don't know what we want. Yeah. I think I heard you say this on a podcast. Yeah. Like a lot of women say to me, Emily, or Christian, I don't know what I want. Yeah. And that's that's not an accident. Yeah, it's it's not an accident. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's it's that sort of, where, what are my wants, needs, and desires? How do I even feel in this moment? Yeah, and and I see the same for a lot of men. That like, what do I want in this relationship? What are my wants, needs? How do I feel emotionally? Yes, and instead just collapsing that to the outside, it's 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 both of the genders are just really hurting. Yes, and thank you for naming that because it's not just women. Like what I see with men, and this is totally you know cisgendered, a little heteronormative, but 
for a lot of straight men, especially, they feel like they can't be in their desire because they don't want to be perceived as a perpetrator. They don't want to be in their sexual energy because they don't want someone to not feel safe around them. And yeah. then so many women don't feel safe to go into their sexual energy because they don't want unwanted sexual advances. True. And they feel like it's unsafe to be in their sexual energy because they will be slut shamed or they will be raped. Or, you know, there just is a physical reality yeah. that men can physically kill women with their hands. And so yeah. there just is this sort of predator and prey relationship that we have right now with sexuality. And I think that that would be one of the changes societally that would happen as the divine feminine starts to rise is that we would create more consent culture and that we would realize that everyone wins when everyone feels safe in their bodies that actually yeah. people are really really sexually activated when they feel safe yeah especially straight women as a matter of fact according to the science in sex at dawn straight women are turned on by gay porn straight porn male porn female porn bonobos like just if you hook their brains up they won't say it they won't admit what they're turned on by but their brains are being activated by almost all types of sexual activity right and it's just a matter of safety if you're like me you probably don't trust tap water i got trust issues and tap water is at the top of the list not having safe clean water it's the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to the extensive research done by the Environmental Working Group, three out of the four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That is why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue is my favorite purifier. I've had mine for five years now. It's a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no insulation or no plumbing. It's right on your countertop. You have nothing else to do. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are designed to remove chemicals like PFAS in your water supply. That is the forever chemicals that are one of the nastiest chemicals that are in existence right now. In addition to drinking water, you can use it for matcha, tea, coffee, your cooking needs, boiling pasta, boiling veggies, making stock soups. The other day I made chickpea pasta and I filled it up with the AquaTrue water and I use that because I wouldn't touch the tap water. And for me, I'm a little bit of a water snob. I know immediately when it's coming from the tap, immediately when it's coming from reverse osmosis, you can taste the difference for sure. When it comes to water filters, AquaTrue is the top of the top. When you order, it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, which makes it a great gift. And today, you, the Heal Yourself listener, you're going to get 20% off of any AquaTrue purifier. Go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com. Enter the code DRG at checkout. That's 20% off you're getting from any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code DRG. RG. And I think one of the best practices in relationship is the man knowing how to feel safe within himself to be able to show up like that for yes. his partner. Yes. And, and this is something that's lacking in relationship dynamics so much. Yes. It's because the man doesn't even know what he's holding inside. And women feel that lack of groundedness, yeah. that, that instability, that chaotic energy. And until that happens, man, there's going to be that disconnect. And, yeah. I, and I've seen it. And I've, I've been firsthand in those relationships. Yeah. So I'm, how do you help men to get more grounded and get out of that chaotic energy? The emotional body? stuff. I, I actually think the thing that is keeping a man in that emotional turmoil or that turmoil is the repression of a ton of sadness, ton of grief. Yeah. I think men have more permission to be angry. Yeah. But 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 the permission to be sad and cry and, and all those conditioning things that they've been told throughout their lives from parents to society and movies and machismo, whatever it is, it has held back. It's like this personality that I am is the version of me that is most loved and accepted by society. Yeah. Therefore, I'm not going to cry. And I actually think that until most men face and witness that pain of sadness, usually for a lot of the time for a big father wound that they have, when it comes out, 
then then all of a sudden they feel more grounded in their body. And by virtue of that, there's better grounding in the relationship. Mm. Sex gets better. Communication gets better. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's our, our responsibility as men to, to, to face that, to be better men. And then, and then what that does is if we have daughters, especially, there's a deeper emotional connection and sons. But, the, but the, a lot of women I see, they say, yeah, my dad was there. He provided. He was so sweet. But like, I, I feel like I couldn't like sit with him and be like, dad, I'm going through something and I'm really in pain because they wouldn't be able to hold that. Yeah. That's the cycle that I see in the, the father wound and the daughter. Yeah, it's like none of us have been taught how to feel our feelings yeah. and just the the outrageous ripple effect of trauma that happens as a result of that. We don't know how to hold ourselves. And if we don't know how to feel safe with our own feelings, then how on earth could we hold space for someone else? Yeah. And that's why I feel so passionate about this work. And I'm sure you do too about the somatic work that you're doing because yeah. you see how fast it is. You can see generations unwind right in front of one breathwork session. Exactly, exactly. People wake up and like, oh my gosh, my great grandmother was raped. And every time we do breathwork on these retreats, there's always like a maternity ward. There's like a whole section of people birthing themselves, rebirthing their children, yeah. rebirthing their aborted babies, their, mis- their miscarriages themselves. And it's wild. I actually, this one story, this was a man who's mid forties, straight, white, male, cisgendered, never done any of this work before. We do breathwork. He sits up and he's like, well, I was a firefighter from Miami. And he's like, well, I found my energetic pussy and I liked it. He's like, and then I felt what it was like to hold my, un- to, to, like, to carry my unborn daughter. Wow. I mean, like as a, as a pregnant person. Wow. And I was like, ladies and gentlemen, this is what the crumbling of the patriarchy looks like. It has nothing to do with destroying anything. It is giving people a firsthand visceral felt sense of the profundity of femininity. Yeah. That will be the thing that allows us to celebrate it inside of ourselves, that allows the father to feel safe enough to cry with his daughter, yeah. that allows the husband to feel safe enough to cry with his wife and to not be to not buy into the bullshit conditioning that crying makes you a pussy, that crying right. makes you weak, right. that actually the tears that are coming out are healing mechanisms. It's releasing toxins out of the body and right behind it is bliss chemistry. Bliss chemistry, exactly. There's always the joy. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that, that's it. The repression and emotion is holding back that potentiality of like what it means to be fully you and human, right? An expression of, like you said, the divine, the full authentic, I call it authenticity, the expression of, of you, the divine mm. self. The, the, the femininity in the context of men Big thing I see also is the sensuality. A lot of men are disconnected from their sensuality. So I'll do these events. And, and when there's the dancing, I'll cue into the men and I'll look and I'll be like, okay, because we have multiple um, sessions for dance. And the first one, all the men, their hips are like tin man. They do not want to move their hips. Yeah, they're here, but they're kind of like bobbing their head and they're like, okay, I'm going to kind of get into this. Meanwhile, a lot of the women, this is just generally speaking, are just like flowing and they're dancing. And I'm like, okay, they're just, they're in it. At the end, it's so beautiful to see the men connecting to sensuality, yeah. to their hips, to their movement, to being like, oh, as a man, I can move like this. And this is really beautiful. Yes. And whoa, I feel like so much lighter. This this guy comes up, he said, I haven't felt so like just grounded, but soft, grounded. But he kept saying grounded, but yes. soft because he came in like the Tin Man, like, like just, yeah. you know, all this protection. Yeah. I, like too much masculinity would make us brittle. Brittle. Right, it's like just structure. It's just the container. But if the light isn't coming in, if the energy isn't coming in, if the flow isn't coming in, you know, that's that old adage that the the tree that bend but does not break yeah. is the strongest. Yeah. Right, but the the tree that is so big that it breaks, and that's that's an imbalance of masculine and feminine. So thank you for doing that work. 
And thank you for doing your work. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm already going to come to one of your events. You're come ready. on, I'll, I'll, I'll fly Costa Rica. Out. Costa Rica. Yeah, I, I never be even been. <gasps> I'm ready to go. Oh, it's like Listen, heaven on earth. Jungle, jungle boy Mowgli Christian is going. Come I'm, on, barefoot. I would love to have you, and I want to come to one of your events 100%. too. Okay. But 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 I want to go back to this manifestation piece because yes, yes, this is yes. this is something that I and I really spoke about on this show. Not enough, but it's real. Um, but but you say you have this formula, right, of, of just connecting. It's like you have to be able to feel it when you make that proclamation. Mm -hmm. um, what about money? People, people have so many different connotations with money growing up through society, parental conditioning that we go, I'm ready to make all this money, but it, it just never happens. Mm. What is holding us back as a society, as people from making money? Mm, great question. Okay, so we look at it energetically. Uh, money and sex are in the same energy center in the body. So just like we're told, like, don't talk about sex, we're also told don't talk about money. Like, unless we're in a business meeting or we're in negotiations, right. then it's okay to talk about money, but it's behind closed doors with like other business partners. And usually it's like, we're trying to get the most money from someone else, right? Usually it's like a little bit of like, oh, it's like our modern day battle, mm, right? Sure. And and so we don't talk about like, hey, wh how are your investments doing this year? What what, are you, what do, you, do you have a financial planner? Are you in T-bills or stock market? Or like, what do you, we just don't talk about it over dinner time conversation. And my amazing, brilliant friend, Kate Northrup, this is, um, she wrote a book called Money, A Love Story. And this is what she has people do. Just like start asking people questions. You don't have to say like, how much do you earn or how much money do you have saved? It doesn't have to be specific. Specifics, but just what what's working for you? What hasn't worked for you? Have you ever learned any lessons financially? Like I'm, I'm trying to build my financial acumen. And I think similarly to just starting to talk about sex and sexuality, how that can be so liberating. If you're at a table with people who are not sex negative and they would consider themselves so sex positive, you could have a friendly, civil, adult conversation about, oh, I'm into this and we tried this and it didn't work and I tried this and it was a hilarious failure, but this was amazing. Right. You can have these conversations about sexuality just like you can have conversations about money, but not if we think that it is this like scary boogeyman under the table that we're never supposed to look at or talk about, but we're just magically supposed to have it, but not too much. Because if you have too much, then your friends are going to judge you and you're going to lose your friends and then you're going to be seen as materialistic. And then you're going to turn into the thing that you judged and hated because right. rich people are mean and evil and selfish and greedy. So we got to be really careful of the way that we speak about money. We have to be really careful of the way that we speak about people who have wealth. Because any of our lack or shame around not having it can be projected onto people that have it. And that can create more of the opposite of polarity. You know, more of that, like, I don't know what the opposite of magnetism, repulsion. Yeah. Right? It can create repulsion. So the cool thing is that with manifesting, nature doesn't care. Nature's not judging your desires. Right. Like if you desire to have 16 bunny rabbits as pets, nature's like, cool, great. Um, you desire to have $10 million in the bank account and be earning $250,000 income on that principle. Nature's like, cool, yeah. great. It's not judging it as big or small, as greedy, as selfish, altruistic. It, it, nature really doesn't care. It's like it's like ambivalent. But we need to get clear on our desires, right? What do I actually want? And this is tricky because a lot of times, especially with money, we've adopted what other people think we should want, mm -hmm. which is more money.
Yeah. More sex, more money, more sex, more money. And that's fear. That's greed. That's lack. That's patriarchy. That's different than like you desire to create these somatic workshops where people are doing what they're doing. I desire to go to Costa Rica and have people pleasuring themselves. Yeah. Like kind of same thing. Like we're both healing. We're yeah. both teaching people to feel their feelings, but you're doing it your way and I'm doing it my way. And they're, they, you know, God, it's finding its way through us. Yeah. And so if we get still first and listen to the desire from that place, usually we can trust that desire. So at first, when people like want to manifest money, I just invite them to get really quiet and ask the question, why? Why do I want that money? Because money likes to feel like it has a purpose and like it, that it's going somewhere. But if you just want $10 million because you want $10 million because you don't feel safe in your body, money is not going to like that desire as much because money doesn't like to be hoarded. So um, what I love about the Vedas, which is like an ancient body of knowledge that comes from northern India, now geographically Pakistan, um, and the Vedas, uh, V-E-D-A, Sanskrit word that means knowledge, just like a human interpretation of natural law. The thing I love about the Vedas is that it, it anthropomorphizes all of these different faces of the divine, but really they're all extensions of us, right? Because according to the Vedas, there's only one thing and we're all it. So there's Shiva and Shakti and Lakshmi and Parvati, and there's all these different faces of the divine. And I think that I could go on a whole nother podcast about that, but I think there is value in having different faces of the divine versus like a monotheistic one God, like yeah. one white dude in the sky judging you for masturbating and you're going to go to hell. Like if there's only one God and that God is good or bad, then there's only one me and I am either all good or all bad, which is different than like, oh, my mischievousness can be holy. My sexuality can be holy. My, my de devotion can be holy. My, you know, my relationship with money yeah. can be holy. So in the Vedas, there's Lakshmi, right? And Lakshmi is this goddess of abundance. And she is the goddess that represents the abundance inside of you. And she's this beautiful woman. She has gold coins spilling out of her purse and holding roses and and the thing about Lakshmi is that she likes to be taken out on the town. She likes to dress up. She likes to go out. Yeah. And it's speaking to the fact that money wants to flow. It wants to be used. Yeah. Otherwise, it turns into the old adage of like a bunch of money sitting is like a pile of shit. Mm -hmm. But if you spread it around, it becomes manure and it can start to grow things. Yeah. And so obviously this requires mastery because there are some people that have spending problems, right? And they spend too much and they spend beyond their means. And so it's not, that's, but that's not investing, mm -hmm. right? Like spreading it around is like investing and it can grow more, um, which is different than hoarding because I don't feel safe. So always it comes back to how do I feel in my body and where is the desire coming from? Mm. But if you feel safe, if you know that you are enough, that you have enough, that you have everything you need and you desire to manifest a million dollars because you want to do start a new company or you desire to have a million dollars because you want to start a regenerative farm or like, like where is it going? Why do you want the money? Mm because it wants to flow through you and into something. And, and then once you're clear on the why, you see yourself as a vessel. And then paradoxically, you allow more in. Like at Ziva, we donate 10% of our proceeds to environmental organizations. So I just wrote a big fat check to kiss the ground in December. Yeah, I know, kiss the ground. And, um, and that feels so good for me. And I think it's been one of the secrets to my abundance. Um, you know, there are very, very few female entrepreneurs that have seven figure businesses. And I have for many, many years. And I feel really proud of that because I know that 
in so doing, I allow other women to see that they can do it too. Yeah. And it, and I think that part of that has been because every single year, even when I couldn't pay my taxes, and even when I was working 60, 70 hour weeks, and even when I was scared on where my net, where I was going to pay my next bills, I still would donate 10% of my money to organizations that I felt were helping to heal the planet. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has increased my bandwidth for what I believe that I deserve. Yeah, it, it's that's beautifully said because uh, when you think about the the proclamation when you give money away is that I have money to give away. Yeah, I have everything I need. I have I already have everything I need. Mm -hmm. That that and the the best analogy because remember analogy the bird one it stuck with my head yeah. was when someone compared uh, I was reading in a book energy money as as like a partner right a partner is not going to be one to hoard it and held you can't. You can't leave. You can't be free. You can't run free. Mm. Nor does it want to be called the root of all evil. Ain't no one going to stay yes. with you if you're every day. You're calling it the root of all evil, yes. right? So when I thought about it as energy, it completely changed. And I remember the the moment it changed. I was at Whole Foods and I saw this like, I just moved to California and there was this drink there. And I was like, oh, I want this drink. And I went to reach for it. I was like, oh, 10 bucks, forget it. I'm not going to buy it. And I was like, 10 bucks is too much for all the stories that have like... Yeah. And then I'm walking out. I'm in the parking lot. I said, no, I deserve that drink. I deserve that drink. I go, I go, 10 bucks is, is nothing. And I started like believing this because I was like actually angry. I like all these stories and yeah. that charge of energy. And that was the first moment I ever said, no, I deserve. And I put that extra money. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, you know, here, here's $20 here. Sure. You can, I, I started loaning money when I was needing money for my rent, but it started changing everything. Mm. And I, I, I'm the biggest testament to that because I believe that so wholeheartedly yes. is its energy. And yes. the more you hold it, the more that it, it, it's going to be a problem. Your vessel is going to be closer and closer and closer. Yes. Amen. Amen to that. And this, by the way, this doesn't mean you don't invest in your retirement. This doesn't mean that you don't have a 401k. This doesn't mean that you can't like earn money to make more money. Yeah. But it's that lack mentality. I don't have enough. I don't deserve this drink. I have to skimp. I have to scarce. I have to deprive myself in the now for some payoff in the future. So, so then, then this this begs the question: What about people who have accrued a lot of money but holding it like Scrooge McDuck? They get they're holding it. They're holding it. Are they in a state of? Is it just they can hold money? They can make money. They can attract money, but they're just very unhappy. So when I was in practice, what I noticed is that there weren't a lot of companies out there that were really focused on providing for better maternal and infant health outcomes. This is really important because nutrient density, having the proper supplement regimen before you're pregnant, when you're pregnant, after pregnancy for your child is so important. Needed, Needed Labs in particular, run groundbreaking women's health research through their clinical research arm, advocating for better maternal and infant health outcomes. And there are so many women's health prenatal supplements out there, and it's hard to determine which one is the best out there. But Needed offers products that are formulated by experts in women's health, and they are backed by clinical insights from over 4,000 practitioners. You heard me. Right? This is this is this is research and practitioner-backed products. Their products offer forms of nutrients for your body that you can actually use. Dose at optimal versus bare minimum levels. Go look at a bunch of prenatals out there. Just research it. Look at the back. Look at the levels of vitamins and minerals you're getting. I promise you, the majority of them out there are going to be at a bare minimum. Compare them to needed and notice how rich needed supplements are. 
and they go above and beyond with their third-party testing. You know how important it is to have quality, pure supplements when you're pregnant. So they ensure that every batch is a safe product. Needed offers radically better nutrition for women from conception to pregnancy to motherhood and beyond. If you're pregnant, if you plan on being pregnant, if you're a mom, go to thisisneeded.com and use the code DRG. That is T-H-I-S-I-S-N-E-E-D-E-D.com. This is needed.com. The code is DRG. You're going to get 20% off of your first month of Needed products. Thank you, Needed, for your quality products, and I hope you enjoy. I think it depends. Like, I've worked with a lot of those people. Like, I've taught some of the richest people on the planet to meditate, and... And one of them was an extraordinarily wealthy woman. And she called me because she was dying from stage four cancer. You know, we talked about this earlier before we started rolling that cancer is, is loneliness. It's like yeah. the cell gets lonely. And, and so just because you have a lot of money does not mean that you've healed your trauma. It doesn't mean that you have, you know, healed your emotional stuff. Um, you know, some people come into it and you, and I, I have seen that some of the most unhappy people are the wealthiest people. And I've seen some of the happiest people, you know, not have much money at all. I think there is a study that says that up to $50,000, your happiness is very much dependent on your income mm -hmm. because this basically means are your basic needs being met? Yeah. Do I have, do I know I'm going to be able to feed myself and my family? Do I know I have a place to sleep at night? So you're not in like constant survival mode. Yes, of course, that is going to impact your mental health and stability and security and sense of safety. But some, but between like $50,000 annual income and $5 billion, it do, money does not impact your happiness. It, it, yeah. What are you going to do with that extra billion? You know what I mean? At that yeah. point, it's like it, there, there's deeper things like the, the things we were talking about connection with your own self, your relationships. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So there's people who are in their head all day. Just before we go off of money, just to give people like a couple actionable things that they could do. Oh, hell yeah. Please. So there's a book that I love and it's called Love Money, Money Loves You. Love Money, Money Loves You. And it's, it's a channeled text from the entity of money. And it's wild because talk about thinking about money as energy and, and it just really has you like check your relationship with money. And just like you would be in a romantic relationship, you want to speak lovingly about it. You want to spend time with it. My friend Kate Northup, she says, like, get yourself into a great state before you look at your bank account, but look at your bank account every yeah. day. You wouldn't go a day without talking to your boyfriend or girlfriend. Look at it every day. Yeah, look at it every day, but from a state of I am safe, I am happy, I just did a dance party, but you're putting your attention on it. You're wow, giving it- powerful. Yeah, and you're investing your most valuable resource, which is your time and attention on this money to grow it. Um, so love money, money loves you. And then if you wanted to do pleasure prayer, which, you know, Cliff's notes is, I'm going to give you the formula, right? Visualize, alchemize, magnetize, but then basically putting yourself into a very pleasurable state through breath work or play or even self-pleasure, you could do it on a bed and put money all over it <laughs> and, or, or some representation of abundance. Maybe it's the $10 smoothie or maybe it's a photo of a house that you're wanting to call in or whatever it is that represents abundance. And then from that beautiful climactic state, you're putting your attention on the thing. Okay. Can I tell you, can I tell you this, this is something that, that, <laughs> I, that I've been doing just for a little and it just, it's like, I, I, I basically I'll, cl I'll close my eyes every morning and I'll walk into a room and that room will have the um, the amount that I want to manifest per month, and in that room is the goddess of money. And, and Lakshmi or someone else? No, no, like some goddess I've made up. She's always wearing a gold dress on. It's probably Lakshmi, but I, okay. I, I, I made I've made okay, up. You are goddess, okay? Yeah, great. more go mm -hmm. more goddess, uh -huh. and we make love, <gasps> and we make. But like it builds up, but I'm not visually aroused. I'm energetically aroused. Yeah. So my whole body is tingling, and then once I feel my whole body tingling. Then I start saying my affirmations. Yes. 
Yes. Is this the same this thing that it. you're saying? This oh is it. You're Pure, doing it. Unbelievable. You're doing it. I've been doing this like for a while. Amazing. How's it going? It's amazing. You're making more money? I, oh yeah, for sure. A, a lot better. A lot better. Great. Yeah. And it's so actually the first client I ever worked with, the first person who ever hired me to do any sacred sexuality work, um, I was doing some sessions with them and they I just like let's do a Lakshmi ritual. And so I did an invocation, and this is getting pretty woo-woo. Okay, so I just want to do a caveat that this is not for everybody. This is like on both of these are very advanced medicine people. This is on the far end of woo-woo. But I did a prayer, I did an invocation, we invoked the spirit of Lakshmi. She inhabited the spirit of Lakshmi. We put up visuals around the room representing abundance. And then he made love to Lakshmi through her body. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So, so there, so listen, then, then we're on to something here, right? <laughs> se- se- sexual energy is, is incredibly creative. Yeah. Sex, money, safety. It's all the root chakra. It's all in this lower chakra. So if there's a block in your sexuality and your intimacy and your own connection with sex and shame around sex, it's likely that there's a block with money. It, it could be related. It's worth exploration for Whoa. sure. And was certainly as you unblock one, it's much easier to unblock the other because it, as you believe that you deserve pleasure, you start to believe that you deserve money. So that's what, that's what happens. That's exactly when I'm doing the full body orgasmic sensation. Mm-hmm. It's always associated with pleasure because of my blocks with pleasure through life. Mm, yeah. So so yeah. I'll say money is pleasure. Yeah. I deserve pleasure. I deserve money. Money yes. is pleasure. And it's just flowing. Yes. That's so cool, man. I yeah. love that we just vibed on that. that I love that uh, you I Now I know what this. you're doing. Now I know what you're doing. Yeah, right? beautiful. In the, in the this is so powerful. Um, the last part of this is that I, I just want to, I know, I know we're going to go back to your old school practice of, Please, of yeah. meditation. I just thinking we should probably talk about meditation yeah, once right, or twice. Right. But I, lo- <laughs> I love the juiciness, but this is yeah. like the foundation of so much of your work. Yeah. Essentially, what I, what I hear is a lot of people, I started meditating, I just can't get out of my head, and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Is there any, you've done this for so long, is there any just, I know there's no hack for meditation. You, you got to get so. quiet. You just do it over time. But I know that over time, you must have found some stuff that'll help make it easier for a lot of people. Yeah. So what you just mentioned is the number one challenge that people have is like, Emily, I want to meditate, but I can't clear my mind. I tried to sit still. I was thinking about my taxes. I was thinking about my ex-boyfriend. I was thinking about a snack. Um, I was thinking about, you know, and now we have phones. We're all just addicted to right in our hands. So like, it's the, the worst meditation detractor right here with us all the time. Yeah. And so here is like the most liberating thing that anyone could know who wants to start a meditation practice but feels like they are a failure. I actually dedicated my whole book to anyone who feels like a meditation failure. I said, you're not a failure. You just haven't been taught yet. And it is this. So if this is you, if you've been trying to meditate, if you've been falling off the wagon, listen up. The mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. Mm-hmm. So trying to give your brain a command to stop thinking is as effective as trying to give your heart a command to stop beating. It does not work. And yet this is the criteria by which everyone is judging themselves on. And this is why everyone thinks they can't meditate. This is why everyone thinks that it's hard. It's, it would be the same as like being, going into sex and being like, I'm going to orgasm right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, that's not, it's not it. And, and then you're like getting further away from the thing. It's a whole process. And so, yes, there are moments inside of a meditation where you may transcend your left brain and move into the right. There are moments where you may move beyond the realm of thinking and access the realm of being. But if you try to achieve that as the goal, especially with no training or no technique, you will only feel increasingly like a failure because you will use effort. Yeah. And effort is the enemy of meditation. 
Mm -hmm. Right? Like thoughts are not the enemy of meditation. Effort is. But all of these are sort of isms. Like all of these are guardrails of what not to do. But if, but it is my personal opinion, and I am 100% a meditation snob. If you don't know what to do, then someone telling you what not to do is not that helpful. Yeah. Right? That actually we need a program. I think that this is the, our brains that we are talking about. Okay? It is the most... This brain is responsible for printing every cell in your body and making every decision in your life. So if you're like, I don't have time to meditate, I'm like, what the fuck else are you doing with your time? Yeah. You're just going to let this thing make you sick and make bad decisions and make you stupid, sick, and slow? Mm -hmm. You don't have time not to meditate. We have to be meditating. We, uh, there is no, like, if you are not managing your stress, your stress is managing you. Period. End of story. And then we get sick. And we are looking at what is happening. Worst mental health crisis we've ever been in. Right. I mean, we were in one and then COVID sort of poured, you know, gasoline on it. The isolation poured gasoline on it. So here's the good news. <laughs> it doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to clear your mind. You don't have to sit for hours and hours. You don't have to stop having sex. You don't have to stop drinking Jack Daniels. You don't have to move to a cave. You can actually just sit on your couch for a couple of minutes a day and give your body rest that is five times deeper than sleep. Mm. And in so doing, you de-excite your nervous system. Right? When you give your body the rest that it needs, it knows how to heal itself. And one of the things that it heals itself from is stress. And the cool thing about Ziva is that you're not just healing the stress from today. It's not like, oh, my boss yelled at me and I went to the gym and went for a run. It's not just getting rid of the stress from today. When you de-excite your nervous system and give yourself that rest and create order in your cells, all of the accumulated stress from our past yeah. can start to come up and out. And that is why meditators per report I feel so much more energy. I have so much more productivity. I feel like I have more time in my day. Oh, my sleep is so much better. My sex drive is so much better. My immune system is so much stronger. It feels like this miracle drug. And it's like, well, how can meditation be doing all these different things? But the question we should be asking is how does stress mess so many different things up? Mm. Right? We go into stress, body's trying to kill a tiger. Body's trying to fight a tiger. We get acidic, right? Our digestion stops. Our vision narrows. Our immune system goes to the back burner, which is fine for a minute. Right? Like hormesis is a thing. Acute stress is fine. But decades of low-grade chronic fight or flight is fucking killing us. Yeah. And there's an answer. We have a solution. It's been around for 6,000 years. We just have to put our phone down for 15 minutes God forbid. in order to be able to access the kingdom of heaven that is within. Oh. And I was talking to our friend Ali Shaper yesterday, who has a company called Supermotion. We were talking about psychedelics and things. And, and I was like, actually, what you're doing with meditation, and specifically with Ziva, is that we use a sound. It's a primordial sound or a mantra. Mantra is a Sanskrit word. Man means mind and trut means vehicle. So what we're doing is that we're using this ancient sound. And just like if you go to a sound bath, you create coherence in the body. And you start to slow down the body. Well, when I say we create order, I mean that actually, if you were to like start to look at the water in, in, or the water molecules through a microscope, they would start to look more like snowflakes, like that sacred geometric shapes and patterns, which is very different than looking at the molecules of water under a body that is stressed, right? It gets jagged and asymmetrical. Yeah. And so just like when people take psychedelics and they see all these fractal geometric patterns and, and this sacred geometry, which would you would all argue is like the visual language of God, that is what is happening internally when we use these ancient practices. We are waking up that divinity inside of ourselves by de-exciting the nervous system to bring it back into its poetic order. Mm. Beautiful. Well, I that, I mean, I, maybe we could just stop right here then if that's the case. Because I mean, like, that was just so beautifully said. I mean, I've never heard about meditation in, in that context. Just 
how yeah. how just essential it is for human health and collective health. Yeah. I mean, if you were to put, you know, they say like if you were to go to an island, you can only take one thing with you. You know, we all have, I mean, thankfully we're in this day and age where there's infinite wellness practices. I got this breathwork app. I got this right. meditation app. I yep. got this colonic, this juice, this, yeah. this medicine ceremony, this, yeah. you know, like infinite healing. And thank goodness we need all of it, like all hands on deck. Mm -hmm. But if I could take one healing tool with me to that island, it would 100% be meditation. Meditation or breathwork? Meditation. Whoa. One million percent meditation for me for me, because if I don't do this thing, like this thing cured my insomnia on the first day. It reversed my gray immediately. I didn't get sick for eight and a half years. I used to get sick three or four times a yeah, year. Yeah. Like this thing reversed my body age. I want to be 44 years old. I feel like I'm getting hotter by the day. But like my go. sex drive is getting better by the day. Amen. I have a five-year-old son. I have the fertility markers of an 18-year-old at 44 years old. And this is a byproduct of getting my ass to the chair every day, twice a day. So if I could take one tool, it would be this. I love that. And, and and how many minutes a day? I personally do 20 twice a day. But what I teach inside of Ziva Online is just 15 minutes twice a day. That's doable. It's totally doable. And by the way, the course, the training itself is only 15 minutes a day for 15 days. Come like on. I've taken 15 years and reduced it down into the minimum viable dose because I know that people are busy. And I'm like, just start here. Like 15 minutes, you have that. And if you don't have that, you don't have a life. Right. Like if you don't have a way to make 15 minutes for yourself, we there's bigger problems. You know, we got to make some bigger adjustments. Okay, um, that. And then once you graduate, you have the technique, which is mindfulness, meditation and manifesting to take with you for life. Like you are a self-sufficient meditator once you graduate. How do we get on it? Uh, so zivameditation.com slash online, or I have a free masterclass at zivameditation.com slash podcast. That's good because we spent a lot of time talking about money and sex, which I am here for. But this is a masterclass for free where people can go into the science of why this particular style of meditation is so powerful. And then if people feel inspired, they can enroll in Ziva online, which, you know, obviously I'm biased, but... I mean, again, I've taught tens of thousands of people and I have a whole person on my team. I have a full-time employee whose job is to handle our testimonials. Just testimonials? That's it. They get paid for testimonials. Correct. Amen to that. All right. So then we got a lot of people. Yeah. Because it's like, oh my gosh, I stopped drinking. Oh my gosh, yes. I was able to get pregnant at 42. Oh my gosh, I healed my relationship with my mom. I don't bite my nails anymore. I stopped drinking. I don't need coffee anymore. I mean, it's just all day, every day. It's crazy because you're bringing the body back to the state of healing. Like yes. you said, yes. the body knows what to do. Yes. It's that we're in that state of stress that is taking it out. And, and it's everything. It's physical health, mental health, emotional health, yeah. your relationships. Everything is a, is a byproduct of us letting our stress control us, like you said, yeah. and not controlling our stress. And just to go back to the breathwork meditation piece, I actually think they're very different because this style of meditation de-excites the nervous system versus in breathwork, you're, you're purposefully yep. going into that sympathetic state. You're going back into that fight or flight state. Both are necessary, but they're wildly different tools. Yep. This is de-accelerating de the nervous system versus the other one is accelerating. And I find that if you're meditating every day, it allows those deeper healing psychedelic experiences that happen in breathwork. One, you can have a clear intention and two, you can integrate and bring that healing back with you into your life. We need to de-accelerate. Yeah. That, that's first and foremost. Yeah. From a doctor's standpoint, we need to de-accelerate big time. Thank you, doctor. So let us do that. We'll, we'll, look, we'll look at the Ziva and then the, the, the are we going to events? Like what, what's the next thing? What's yeah. going on? Okay. So if people want to do more of this embodied manifesting and yeah. they want to know more about Sacred Secret, I do online retreats. So that means you can do it from the safety and comfort of your own home. Because I get that to go into a room full of strangers is a lot for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you want to learn it from home, um, you can go to zivameditation.com slash secret. And we have 
all of our retreats, our online retreats and our in-person ones. I'm doing an in-person one in April um, in Costa Rica, which you are invited. You already know I'm going. Yes. I'm going barefoot guy. (laughs) Honestly. And we do breath work too. So maybe you want to do something. Like I would love to collaborate with you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'll lead an emotional release. Yes. Great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you want to just receive, that's welcome too. But, it, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later. We'll, do, we'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> but so yeah, so basically everything is at zivameditation.com slash online is the meditation training and slash secret is the embodied manifesting training. Okay. And I'm all over social media at Ziva Meditation. And Ziva is Z-I-V-A. It's a Sanskrit word that means bliss. I was going to ask you what it meant. Yeah. When you is, said it, I was like... It means you? bliss or radiance and kindness. And it's a Hebrew name. Well, sorry. So... Ziva is a Sanskrit word that means bliss, and it's a Hebrew name that means one who is radiant or kind. Beautiful. It's got it's got all the embodiments right there. Yeah. And and your podcast, you have a podcast. <gasps> Thank you now for I'm asking. Now I'm going to be on. Yes, you're going to be Very on. Very soon. And now I'm even more excited to jam. Mm-hmm. Um, so the podcast is called Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? Mm-hmm. And because twice in my life I found meditation and now with sacred sexuality, like things that are so good that I'm like, burr, burr, burr. like, why isn't everyone doing this? And so I like to bring on brilliant people like yourself and say, hey, what is the thing that you found that is so good that you want to shout from the rooftops? And I get people to share about that. I love that. Okay. So uh, everyone listening and viewing, go check out all those resources. I cannot, exp- I can't even, even stress enough how important it is to deaccelerate your nervous system, to get in touch with the sexual energy, to know that you deserve, it's our God-given right, to feel good in our bodies, to attract all of that which we want. And we have solutions right here. Re-listen to this podcast. Send it to someone you love who needs to listen to it. Thank you for your wisdom, your embodiment, your purpose, what you're doing in the world, mm-hmm. uh, your gifts, your your ability to just, you know, I, I was so engaged this whole time. I was like, well, I need to start doing all of this now. So I, I'm inspired. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Your intelligence, your presence, your preparation and your flow. I mean, talk about masculine and feminine. I can feel the container of your preparation and your full surrender to flowing to the moment. So celebrating you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.